you have your Bibles this morning and you would turn with me to the book of Colossians, the New Testament book of Colossians. As we gather this morning all around this nation and all around the world, there is an event or events or, or happenings that are taking place that, that uh, are for us uh, familiar. Um, they are very similar circumstances, situations all, all around. And, and let me describe it for you for a moment and see if you would agree with me in regards to that. All around the country, just like we are today, all around the world, just like we are today, people are coming to church. And when people arrive at church, there are a few things that take place. One of them is, as we are here this morning, when we have uh, the type of weather we do, one of the first conversations we have is just how cold it is, right? When you walk through the door and you see somebody, whether it be on the parking lot or as you enter the door, so forth, man, it's cold today. Man, it's cold today, boy. We, just, we talk about that. We talk about other things. We talk about maybe some sporting event, one that's already happened or one that's coming and we're anticipating. We bring those things up. We talk about other world events, things that are, that are happening and going on around us. Uh, and then at some point, we'll, we'll get to a, a conversation or an interaction and someone will share something that's going on in their life. Sort of like we just did in our prayer time, except oftentimes it's not, not collectively here in a corporate setting, but maybe individually on the parking lot or in a hallway or, or somewhere, and someone will say, hey, this is going on in my life. And they're talking about it, and they're sharing it. And at the end of that conversation, when, when they have finished sharing that thing, we will generally almost always say what? I'll pray for you. Right? I'm going to be praying for you. I'll pray for you. I am praying for you. In some way and somehow, we communicate, I'm concerned about the thing that you've shared with me, and I'm going to join with you in praying about that. So here's my question this morning. When we share those kind of thoughts, and we communicate those types of things, do we know, according to God's Word, how to pray? For other people. Do we know really how to pray for others? And if not, God's word can teach us that. But if we do, then the next question would be this. If we know how and we say we will, do we pray? Or do we oftentimes say, oh, I'll pray for you, because that's the right thing to say, and it's what we should say, but then we get in our car, and we head to lunch, or we go home, or we go wherever, and we don't think about it again. And we don't pray. We don't lift people up when we've communicated to them that we will. And that's an important thing, and here's why. I believe that every one of us, as we have demonstrated already here this morning, we know the power of prayer. We believe in the power of prayer. We spend time every Lord's Day talking about people and circumstances and situations that need prayer, and we pray for them. I would imagine this morning, if I took the mic and we began to walk around, we had an open mic time, every one of us could share one or multiple testimonies about how God's answered prayer in our life about something He's done for us or something that we lifted up and, and we saw His and we saw His hand moving. We saw Him answering and, and responding to that prayer and to that need. And we all could share those. We all could share experiences where people have prayed for us 
And we felt the power of that prayer. We felt God answering that prayer in our life. And we were grateful and we appreciated the fact that someone else was praying for us and the impact that that prayer had on our lives. We believe in the power of prayer. We believe in the purpose of prayer. But the question really is this morning, when we say to other people, I'm praying for you or I will pray for you, are we really doing that? Or are we just saying that because it's the right thing to say or it sounds good? Because God's Word calls us to be a praying people. He calls us to commit our hearts and our lives to prayer. The God's Word says uh, in, in different circumstances and situations in His Word, it says pray without ceasing. And we struggle with that a little bit. What does that mean for me to pray and never stop? Pray without ceasing. How, how do I pray? We talked last week about praying through our burdens in life. And we looked at Nehemiah. And Nehemiah was talking about how he prayed day and night. He continued in that prayer. And so God's Word encourages us, instructs us, and teaches us that we should be a praying people. And when someone has a need and we say we're going to pray for them, we should pray for them. James chapter 5 and verse 16. Listen to what His Word says there. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute, I'm going to tell people about my sin. I don't like the sound of that. I don't want everybody knowing what's going on in my life. I don't want everybody knowing about my mistakes. Well, he didn't say everybody, but he did say for one another. Because we need someone that we can share those things with and share those burdens with and someone that we believe can help us with those burdens and someone that will listen and care and will pray for us. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The healing of our spiritual and physical body through the power of prayer. And then listen to this final word. This is so important for us. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish a lot. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish a lot. So here's the first thing I want us to note about that. There is effective prayer. And obviously if there's effective prayer, there's ineffective prayer. There is a distinction there. He didn't say just the prayers of a righteous man, but he said the effective prayers of a righteous man. That means that we must be in the right frame of mind. We must be in the right relationship. We must have the right motivation. There must be, there's an effective prayer that we offer, and then there's an ineffective prayer that we offer. And we want to be offering effective prayers on behalf of others to lift them up. And so in Colossians this morning, Paul is writing to the church at Colossae, and he is is sharing with them in regards to the importance of prayer and the power of prayer and praying for one another. And he gives us a model of how we are to pray for others, what we are to pray for others. And so join me in looking at at God's Word this morning, Colossians chapter 1. We want to begin reading in verse 9. And it says this, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, And what is it? He's talking about their love, their commitment, their compassion. He says, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all aspects and respects 
being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for the uh, attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Paul writes, and he is specifically identifying for us three things that we need to be praying when we are praying for others. Here's the first, to be filled with God's will. Verse 9 talks about the knowledge of God's will, understanding God's will, that we would pray for others that they would know God's will, that they would know God's Word and His purpose and desire for their life. Let me ask you, when's the last time you prayed for someone else and prayed that they would know with confidence what God's will is for their life? That's what Paul's praying. Paul's praying that that they would know what God's will is for them. Why is that? Well, they were living in a time, it sounds familiar to me, but they were living in a time in which there was a lot of heresy coming into the church. There was a lot of misinformation. There was a lot of of misinterpretation of God's Word. There were a a lot of of different religions and their beliefs and practices that were being infiltrated into the church. And people were accepting things as true that were not true. And people were believing in things that, 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 that they shouldn't be believing in. And so Paul's writing and he says, in the midst of that, I want you to pray that people will know, have the knowledge of what God's will is for their life. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? We live in a world today where, where society is pushing in on the church. And the church has become so accepting of the standards of the world instead of the standards of the Word. And we have allowed ourselves to go, well, I know it says this, but but what about that? Or, I know this, but... And, And so all of a sudden, we are believing, we are practicing, or we are infiltrating into the church things of the world, things that are socially acceptable, and, and when we're beginning to, to water down the power of God's Word. And so he says today, as Paul prays in, in this day, he's praying, and we need to have the same prayer today for us and, and for those that we're praying for, we need to have the knowledge of God's will. I need to know what God's Word says, and I need to know what that means to my life, and I need to understand how it impacts me and, and what it has to do with the direction that I'm taking. And, and I need to pray that we all would have the knowledge of God's will, understanding what He desires for us. Notice what he also says here, and I think it's very important. He says that, that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will. Fill us up. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people walking around the world today and they're living empty. The gas tank is on E and there is no joy, there's no peace, there's no power, there's no presence of God and His Spirit in their life. And they're walking around like a zombie. And they don't have the power of God. And they don't have the presence of God. And he says, I want you to pray for others. And the prayer that I want you to pray is that they would be filled filled up 
with the knowledge of God's will. And that God's will would go to work in their hearts and in their lives and in their minds. And that's what he's, he asks us to pray for on behalf of others. The second thing he says is this. That once we have the knowledge that we need to pray to walk in God's way. That I take that knowledge and now I put it into action. That I take the knowledge of God's will, God's will for, for my life and God's purpose for me as a believer according to His Word. And when I see that and understand that, then I begin to put that into practice. I begin to do something about it. Notice what he says as we pick up there in verse 10 and read that again with me and, and listen to what Paul says to the church. After we are filled up with the knowledge of God's will and that wisdom of understanding, notice what he says, so that. Why? Why do I need to have that knowledge? Why do I need to have that wisdom? Why do I need to have that understanding? So that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. To please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. He says that when we gain the knowledge of God's will for our life and the wisdom that comes with us, he prays that then we begin to take action on it, that our thoughts, our attitudes, our actions, and our choices in life are either moving us toward God or they're moving us away from Him. There, there is no middle of the road. In fact, he says something about middle of the road, right? And he says that it's not a good place to be because it's sickening to be in the middle of the road. But he says the choices that we make, our thought process... Our actions and the things that we do in life, they're either moving us toward God or they're moving us away from Him. And he says, when I gain the knowledge of His will, then I need to put that into action in my life and begin to do something about the knowledge that I've gained. And notice he says basically three things. The first thing he says is this, is that we live worthily. I don't know about you, but, but there are a lot of times in life that I don't feel very worthy of what God has done for me. I don't feel very worthy of the blessings that He's given me and the work that He's done in my life. But He says, I want you to live worthy of His calling. I want you to live worthy of, of His will and His expectation for your life. The second thing He says, I want you to live fruitfully. I want your life to be fruitful. We don't just become Christians to be Christians and to sit around and, and say, boy, I'm a Christian. He says, I want your life to bear fruit. I want it to be fruitful. I want it to do something for the kingdom of God. And so when I gain the knowledge of His will, He says, then in that wisdom, I need to put into action that I live worthily and that I live fruitfully. And then finally, He says this, I want you to live maturely. Grow up as believers. He said, what? He said, it draws us closer to Him to be more like Him. It draws us closer to Him to live our life after the direction that He's given us and to be obedient to that direction for our life. And so when we pray, we need to pray for one another. You know, remember what James said? James said, confess our sins to one another and then pray for one another. We need to be praying for each other that we would gain the knowledge of God's will and that wisdom to live in it. And then that we would take action on that and we begin to live out that wisdom and knowledge that we've gained in our life. We need to pray that for one another. We need to be lifting each other up on a regular basis, asking God to do these things in our lives 
as believers and as brothers and sisters in Christ. Third thing is this, to be strengthened by God's power. Verse 12, 11 and 12, talk about the strength that comes from God's power. Weakness is a common problem for many believers. We are weak in our faith. We are, we are weak in our commitment. Uh, we are weak in our confidence. We are weak in our peace. We struggle, many believers struggle with being weak. And the reason we do is very simple. It's because we're trying to live in our own power. We're trying to live in what? Hey, and we've been taught that all of our lives. If you're, you're over 25 or 30 years old, you've heard this probably multitude of times. And that is, hey, pick yourself up by your own bootstraps. And move forward in life, right? Just pick yourself up and go. Hey, if you fall down, pick yourself up, dust off, and keep going, you know. And, and we, we think it depends on us. And his word is very clear as Paul writes to the church at Colossae. And he said, it's not about your power. If you try to do it in your power, you're never going to get there. You're never going to accomplish it. He said, you're going to be weak and you're going to struggle. Look at verses 11 and 12 again. Listen to what he says strengthened, listen, strengthened with all power, what? According to His glorious might. Not our power, but His power. For the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. He says, listen, we've got to live in His strength, not our strength. We've got to depend on His power, not our power. And as he talks about that, he talks about a few areas that that power enables us to live for the Lord. The first is this, patience. And this first word of patience, there's two of them here. The first one is the Greek word that talks about patience in our circumstances and situations in life. It's about the things that are going on in our lives and around us. And he said, we need to have the strength to be patient in those circumstances and situations. And we can't do it with our own strength. We've got to have His strength. And when we have His strength, He says, then we can be patient in the circumstances and situations of life that we face in order to, to go through those and to emerge out of those victorious in Christ Jesus. The second is the word long-suffering here. And long-suffering is still patience, but this patience is directly related to people. In the original Greek language. So he's talking about patience that we have, the power to have patience in circumstances and situations. And then he talks about the power to have patience in relationship to others. That we do not allow others to have a negative impact or a negative direction or to drag us back or to hold us back or to hold us down in our journey of faith. But we have patience with them. We don't write them off. We, we don't give up on them, but we have patience. And the only way that we can do that is with His power, not our own. And so we need to pray that we would be able to, to have His strength. Pray for one another to have His strength, not our strength. To have His power and not our power. And then finally He says this, I want you to have an attitude of gratitude. Being thankful, He said. For everything that He's done for us. We need to pray that for one another. We need to pray for others to have a thankful heart. We need to pray for others to be grateful to God for what He has done. He's blessed us in so many ways. He's done so many wonderful things in our lives. And He says in regards to that, if we would just begin to pray for one another. And pray in this model. Pray with this understanding. Seeking His knowledge of His will for us. 
then taking action and being faithful to obey that, live worthily in regards to that, uh, live, live in such a fashion that, that we uh, exemplify to others Christ Jesus in us. And, and we pray for others, that all of us pray for one another, that we can do that. Remembering the power that we have through prayer. Remembering that the purpose we have and the motivation behind our prayer. And then, listen, we didn't read this earlier, but listen to these closing verses uh, of this section of Scripture. And listen to what he says. This is so important for us. For he delivered us from the domain of darkness. And he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He said, we need to be a people who pray for one another. And here's a model of how we pray for one another. Believing in the power of God. Believing in the purpose of God. Believing in the power of prayer. And understanding that we have been delivered by Him. Out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of His Son. And that in relationship to that we have received His mercy, His grace and His forgiveness of our sins. And when we begin, can begin to pray for one another in that way, it changes our relationship with one another. It changes our relationship with the world around us. It begins to give us the power that we need to do what God has called us to do. And so we need to pray. As we go through this new year together, we need to pray for one another. Perhaps you're here this morning... And you need someone to pray for you. Perhaps where we started this morning, that, that conversation that you have at church about something that's going on in your life, you need someone to pray with you. Then this invitation is inviting you to come that we might pray with one another. Perhaps you're here and, and, and you do pray for others. And, and you do believe in the power of prayer. And this morning there's, there's a decision on your heart about a need or a circumstance or situation, whatever that might be. We invite you to come as we stand and sing if there's a decision on your heart. God's calling you, leading you today.